Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great moment that you have given us to hear your word, to speak, and to get nurtured through your word. Use me and let the congregation benefit from what you have prepared. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. You may be seated. continuation of the book of Daniel that got started the last Sunday. I was not here, but I got a chance to listen to uh, Father David's sermon, and I picked up on chapter 2, which is connected to chapter 1. I remember the story of our son. When we start school, the beginning was hard. Now he's committed and ready to finish high school in Kigali, Rwanda. He went through challenges from French system when he started his kindergarten in Burundi to English system in Nairobi then up to primary school when he went back to Burundi he was obliged to go back to the French system then now he's back to the English British system it was a kind of struggle for him from 2002 up to now it was somehow a long and a challenging situation, a learning process that he was supposed to go through. Somehow, if you see the picture, he was just on the second left, and you see now the current picture. If the slides can provide it anyway, it doesn't come. He's a grown up. He's. I can look at him like this. <laughs> Likewise, the story of the book of Daniel talks about two, four young people, four young men from Judah, their land, and they immigrated. Babylonia as captives. They ended up in our education program totally disconnected from their former school at the palace with an imposing program in a foreign language. After graduation they went through a kind of tough examination 
whether by failing that exam would cost their lives. We are now on chapter 2, testing. Chapter 1 was a kind of re-education program that Father David has talked about. Now they are put into serious test. Failing would mean their life was at risk. That is chapter 2. The king Nebuchadnezzar, he did not focus on the captives. He first of all challenged those he knew that are experts in interpretation. But the four young men, they were not spared. Their turn would come. Show the, the, show the dream, then go on interpretation. The Chaldeans, so-called astronomers and astrologers, got it right. There is no man on earth who can do what the king asks. Truly. There is no man on earth who can tell the king the dream and interpret it. I can say at this stage, I salute the honesty of the Chaldeans. They were so honest. Brethren, what does the request of the king Kenneptanenes means to us today? What does it mean to us? God is sovereign and they let people go through hardship in order to prove that none is like him. He let people go thinking, wondering, losing our focus. Somehow, Wondering whether God feels our pain. <coughs> he does it for a right purpose. He loves us. Have you ever faced a situation where you run shortage of means, getting lost, wondering? Does anyone among us like that kind of pity status? Yet, such a weak scenario 
For believers is an indicator that God is ready to intervene. Brethren, let us acknowledge that when we go through hardship, challenges, that is the only occasion for God to exercise his providence action. Maybe we are looking God in the wrong place. We can run in a comfort zone and yet he's in the other side. The issue is this. Do we see challenges as a means of provision by God to come to our rescue or do we blame him when we face hardship? How do we handle problems? How do we handle problems? Does Daniel's attitude be similar to mine when my life is shaken? Or I simply declare that none among my gods is able to save me. Am I honest like the Chaldeans? Do I surrender to my bright memory? Do I surrender to all my means saying I'm done? No one on earth is able, is able to come to my rescue or I keep on fighting and end up failing. The second section of the chapter focuses on Daniel. Why only one young man? Why Daniel? Probably he was concerned by the lives of his fellow staff, guardians at the palace. Maybe he was friend to them, and when we heard that they are about to disappear with their belongings, he was much concerned. How are we concerned by those who are in a pity status in our neighborhoods? How are we touched? by the lost and yet we attend churches on Sunday and we confess that we are going to heaven? Do we care for those who have no such a belief? Do we see a distinction 
between us and those who are, have no clue about their status after they die, or we are the same. We ought to be concerned for the lost by networking with fellows who are committed believers. How do we network? Daniel was touched and he did not work in isolation. He engaged his fellow friends who knew that they can kneel down and ask for rescue. Are we sure that our neighbors, our relatives, our friends need Jesus? Or we don't care? With such burning hearts to care for the loss, God is with us. He will intervene as long as you and I will show up with a good heart to warn the lost. What is your focus? Where is your focus? For some, their focus lies in running after a decent life on earth. The end, they die. Which is not bad. A decent life, I strive for that. I do all what is required. What is required, I do. I strive. To let you know, I have six different types of resume that I can submit. A decent life. I have been running for that many years until I die. Is it really my focus? If it is, war to me. For others, their concern are to show the loss that there is a Redeemer who came on earth for their rescue. He came. He came. He's still with us. The chapter ends up with a gratification to Daniel when he revealed the king the interpretation of his dream. King Nebuchadnezzar was so touched, then he rewarded the young boy. He deserved the gratification. Didn't he? He 
deserved. What did he cost? The cost he paid, he knelt down. He kept connection with God, his maker. Two things. Keeping in touch with your maker. Number two, keeping on moving to have his desire. He desires that all of us will get saved. We are out to have the same desire if we bear his name. Bearing his name requires to have his desire. Daniel was a genuine team builder. He requested the king to appoint his fellow friends, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, over the affairs of the province of Babylon, while he remained at the palace. What a great network. What a strategic plan. What an incredible vision. If God has put a zeal in your heart, what if you connect with someone who has the same burning heart? You and the fellow, you can make impact. How do we network in evangelism? How do we network, brethren, in looking for the lost sheep? Does having friends helps in extending the kingdom of God or friendship is secular at all? Is friendship Godly assigned or it is secular. How do we select friends? How do we make best of use of friends who have the same burden to like us? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that through the Bible we have heroes that we can imitate for your glory. Lead us in reading and digging the Bible as much as we can and give us a burning heart for the lost. Amen.
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.